Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an average Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, as well as general NHL news. On tonight's episode, we will be covering more NHL bubble playoff action from round two, starting off with a preview and review of Vancouver versus Vegas. Heading into this first game between the two Pacific Division rivals for round two, we all expected that at some point Vancouver would face an actual amount of challenge that was a little bit different than the St. Louis Blues. You know, Vegas presented a particularly unique challenge, which I talked on my last episode, but basically I said their pace, skill, physicality, and pressure just allows them to create so much space and open up a lot of scoring and shooting lanes that teams like St. Louis don't really do. The Blues are a pretty good squad, but Vegas is a totally different animal, and I think immediately we kind of saw that when Vancouver was really under pressure almost from the first puck drop. This Vegas squad is really fast and really capable of spreading you out very quickly. What they do is they often use a lot of quick changeovers, um, a lot of overlapping routes, and essentially really fast-paced passing and skating over different routes that allows them to start stretching out defensive units and opening up some of their better scorers. A lot of this is driven through guys like Mark Stone, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessault, and William Carlson, but they have a lot of underrated players too. Guys like Tuck tend to go a little bit under the radar even though they're fairly effective, and now they also have Max Patch ready to finish off some of those opportunities. You also see a lot of their defensemen jumping into play, kind of like Heiskanen and Klingberg do, which allows them to drop really low into the offensive zone and strike from all different angles. While some would contend that Vegas tends to overcommit some of their defensemen into the you know offensive rush situations, I think it actually works perfectly for the Knights because they're able to negotiate that sort of pressure and often score on those opportunities. This is a team that when they offensively activate from the back end knows how to use that pressure effectively and ensure that they don't really give up too many counters going the other way. Vancouver spent an unearthly amount of time in its own defensive zone last night, especially early in the period in the opening of the game because Vegas basically just hemmed them in the entire time. The Knights are an incredibly strong roster and probably one of the top three teams in the NHL, especially with the way that they're playing right now. They might actually be better than the Colorado Avalanche and Tampa Bay Lightning, both, you know, pretty pretty good teams in their own right. We've already seen Boston beat Tampa Bay, and we now have seen Vegas beat the Vancouver Canucks, although this scoreline was quite a bit further apart than the one that saw Tampa Bay, you know, kind of get shut down by the Bruins offensively. Tampa at least was able to create more offensive opportunities against the Bruins, even though there weren't that many to begin with, but I feel like Vancouver just didn't have much going against Vegas at all. This is kind of what I expected from Vegas, especially early in the series, because to be honest, no offense to the Canucks, their roster just isn't equipped to handle a team like the Knights. I I don't think that there's any team in the NHL, really, that can handle the amount of pressure that comes from all four lines. When you look at the Knights roster and you look at their depth forwards, you don't tend to think that there would be as much quality play from those guys. I mean, you've got guys like Chandler Stevenson, Ryan Reeves, at times Thomas Nosek. Just a bit of a hodgepodge of different fourth liners and depth players who have maybe been NHL journeymen in other cities and not really accomplished a whole lot. But here, with the way that the Knights play, they're able to kind of keep cycling, create a lot of forechecking pressure, and pin opposing teams in their own defensive zone. So this was kind of a recipe for Vancouver that I thought was going to end in disaster, and it did. 
The Canucks basically had no answer for Vegas's forecheck, and I think that that might be a recurring theme throughout the series if Vancouver's big guns don't get going. I think the other issue for the Canucks is that their depth forwards are going to be overwhelmed. You know, Jay Beagle, Tyler Mott, some of those guys were able to handle a lot of the pressure that the Blues threw at them, but this time, it's going to be a different story. DeBoer is not afraid to throw out different line matchups out there against, you know, most of these depth and top six forward units with reckless abandon, especially if he thinks he can essentially just make the matchups not really much of an issue for Vegas. Because of how fast the Knights tend to play and how much pressure they put on you, it often means that those matchups basically burn a ton of energy for the opposing teams, while the Knights are able to just keep cycling guys in and out of the offensive zone. Over the course of the series, I think Vancouver is going to get exposed if they don't change and adapt quickly, because the Vegas Golden Knights are a dangerous squad, and when they have guys like Mark Stone rolling at full capacity, you're in real trouble. I think it's clear to see why Mark Stone was probably one of my most sought-after players for the Winnipeg Jets, especially last uh, offseason. Stone is a game-breaking player, and I feel like, you know, Winnipeg really missed out not getting him under contract, especially after there was an option to get him during a trade negotiation with the Ottawa Sens. And it is hard to tell if if Stone was really willing to come to Winnipeg, although from what I've heard, it was, yes, a lot closer than people realize. That said, Stone went to Vegas, and the rest is history. I think what we're seeing with a guy like Mark Stone is that he is one of those key franchise players that the Knights are able to build around. You know, they had Smith and Marcheseau in a pretty good core, especially with their blue line, but you add a guy like Stone, and that's the piece that puts you over into cup contender territory. Mark is just a monster, and I feel like this series is showing exactly why he's so capable of taking over shift after shift and creating tons of space and scoring opportunities for his teammates, as well as himself. He's a versatile attacking threat, and Vancouver thus far really hasn't had much of an answer for him, which I'm not surprised by. I don't think you can really stop Mark Stone. Barring him going down due to injury, Stone is just an unstoppable force, and kind of somebody who is, who is like another McKinnon, just in winger form, really. If the Canucks want to hope in this series, what they're going to have to do is find a way to get Petrosian, Quinn Hughes, Bo Horvat, you know, T- Tyler Toffoli if he comes back, Tanner Pearson, all these guys into the play a lot more than they are so far. Vegas's pressure has mostly neutralized a lot of their ability to get any of these players into good passing lanes or shooting lanes or scoring opportunities for these guys. If they can't spend any time in the offensive zone, all of this is not really going to matter for Vancouver because they're going to find themselves conceding quite a few goals to a very dangerous Golden Knights offensive forecheck. They conceded a solid five or six goals last night and really didn't have much of an answer for all of Vegas's pressure, which is, for the Canucks, going to be an issue going forward, and I think that this series is probably going to end in five or six games. Vancouver has faced some adversity before, but this is a different challenge, and if they really want to get going, they're going to have to answer in Game 2 and hope that, ultimately, they find a way to counter this intense Vegas pressure. If they can find a way to crack this roster, they have a shot, but I think it's going to be a real uphill battle and something that I don't anticipate seeing before the end of the series. In just a little bit, we'll talk about what happened in the Philadelphia and New York Islanders game, which probably went something according to a script you're expecting between two coaches that love really defensive hockey. But before then, I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about with you real quick. The first topic is a tough one for guys. Erectile dysfunction. Having a discussion around ED is never easy because we usually want to brush it off as something that's our fault, whether it's I've lost my mojo, I've had a long day at work, or I'm just not feeling it. Talking about and dealing with ED is never an easy problem, but Roman finally has a solution. With Roman, you can talk to a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. 
With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. To get started, go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Get started today. Now that we're all staying home a little bit more than usual, finding the right and exciting thing to eat can be a little bit challenging. You want Chinese, they want pizza, somebody's craving frozen yogurt for some reason. But how do you make everyone happy? For every food delivery question, there's an answer. DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is made easy through their DoorDash app, where you can choose what to eat, when to have it delivered, and with contactless delivery that allows the food to be left right at your doorstep so everyone stays safe. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to spots or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Now more than ever, it's important to support your local institutions and restaurants. And with the DoorDash app, doing so has never been easier. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. When it comes to the bubble hockey playoffs, it's been a bit of a challenge to figure out a couple of different teams. You know, there are some that, you know, you get the sense you understand exactly what they're all about. It's not exactly hard to figure out what kind of style they play and what their level of performance is going to be like. You know, I, I look at Vegas and I see a really strong team with an aggressive forecheck, really good passing, great cross seam movement, just all of the good stuff that you want to see from an attacking side. I don't really have that level of clarity when it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers, and today they played their first game against the New York Islanders, and wow, Philly just was a a bit of a mess. They lost 4-0, and I think by that first period, you thought it could have been worse. The Flyers really struggled to create much of anything, and Carter Hart basically stood on his head to keep it from getting to like 3-0 in the first period. The Flyers during the regular season were a really strong team. They were able to transition quickly up and down the ice, create a lot of good scoring opportunities, had a, a nice power play for the most part, There was just a lot to like with this team, and throughout the postseason, we've seen a very different Flyers squad, one that's marred by inconsistencies, defensive lapses, and a lack of potent offensive scoring. I don't like singling people out, but I'm sure that Travis Konechny would love to get the the goal-scoring gorilla off of his back right now, because right now he just can't seem to buy a bounce and get a shot on net that ends up going into it. What we saw with this game, though, was a, a tale of a couple of different periods. The first period was all New York Islanders. You know, Barry Trotz had his team shutting down the neutral zone, maintaining really good offensive zone cycles, and just really grinding out a heavy four check that basically neutralized any of what the Flyers wanted to do. Defensively, they basically shut down everything in their own zone, including the slot area, which is what Trotz tends to preach. The second period was actually all Philadelphia for the most part, and the Flyers were creating tons of good opportunities and looks in that slot area where the Islanders were trying to clog up but failed to. The Isles just seemed to stop skating, and it definitely showed because the Flyers were very hungry to get back into this game, but ultimately it didn't really matter. Fortunate stick tie-ups, missed shots, great saves from Varlamov, everything seemed to conspire against the Flyers in this game, and ultimately they kind of got pieced apart as the Islanders would strike on a rare counter and score. You know, this is one of those situations where I think the Flyers needed to be very details-oriented, and ultimately they weren't, and New York just played its game style under trots and won. 
What I liked about the Islanders for the most part was that they played a style that I think is very consistent with Trotz's vision. And I don't say that it's, it's as an endorsement of the fact that I think they play attractive hockey. It's not. But this is a very potent and effective style when Trotz has the personnel that he needs to get it through. And I, I saw guys like Jean-Gabriel Pajot doing well. I saw Pelic and Pulak shutting down guys. Uh, you had some of their depth forwards like Matt Martin playing their role. I don't really know if all of those guys are the best players, but I think we also saw a really big game from the top six. And that's something that we haven't always seen from the Islanders, especially guys like Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, Anders Lee. We know that these guys are, are, are pretty decent scorers and good playmakers, but we haven't always seen them playing at a particularly high level. But throughout this postseason, as it's worn on, they've all seemed to step up to a new level, and they were really good today. If the Isles top six is, is able to create a lot of offensive chances and essentially dictate terms on the ice in the offensive zone, that allows this lockdown defense to kind of stifle whatever else Philadelphia is going to do. And that's exactly what we saw from Trotz's team today. This is like an ideal version of the Islanders, because right now they don't really have a whole lot of high-end goal-scoring talent, but what they do have is defensive discipline and sort of a resolute style that keeps you out of the slot and essentially to the perimeter where the Flyers are not as likely to get good chances on net. What's kind of funny about this is this is what Paul Maurice wanted to do with the Jets. You know, time and again he talked about taking perimeter shots and leaving those as the only ones that you surrender while guarding your low-slot area, but the difference is the Islanders are actually capable of clogging that up. You know, when you saw a guy go behind the net with a puck, there would immediately be three Isles defenders kind of chasing after him and trying to force a turnover, or at least pressuring him physically. On the one hand, that is a fairly aggressive press and one that can bite you if you aren't careful, because you look at the Flyers roster and there's a lot of guys who can score very quickly if you turn that puck over, especially in high danger areas. That said, because the Islanders were so physical and able to just kind of tire out the Flyers' forecheck, it really didn't matter. I mean, they were able to be this aggressive, they were able to press especially in the corners and win those battles repeatedly and prevent the Flyers from doing what they do best. Now, there were a couple of exceptions where I think, especially in the second period, the Islanders kind of really lost the plot a bit. But after that rough second period, they kind of rebounded and looked a lot more like the first period team, although a little bit less dominant. So all in all, I think that as far as starts go, I don't think the Islanders could ask for anything better. If you're the Flyers, you've probably got alarm bells sounding because I think at this stage, things are not looking great and they weren't looking ideal against the Montreal Canadiens. And now you have a really disciplined team under Barry Trotz. I think the Flyers need to need to take a hard look in the mirror and figure out what exactly is going on with this team. Traditionally, creating offense was not something that this team struggled with, but now they're having trouble getting to that slot area and creating goal-scoring chances that are going in. You know, there is some poor luck here and there, a couple of bounces and saves that maybe haven't gone their way, but on the whole, I just haven't been impressed with them. If they want to shut up the cup, they're going to have to figure out how to solve Trotz first, and I think that that is going to be one of the toughest challenges this team has faced this season, because Trotz just shut down the Caps, and that team was no slouch. I know that the Flyers also beat the Caps in fairly convincing fashion earlier in the, uh, I think in the opening stages of the round robin, but this is kind of a different situation. You know, Barry Trotz has New York playing at an extremely high level, and I think that that's going to be a different situation than what we saw against Washington. Either way, I think the Flyers are in some degree of trouble and they need to sort things out sooner rather than later. Before we sign off for the evening, I'll give you a quick rundown of what's going on in the Dallas versus Colorado game, which is currently ongoing right now. But before then, I had a couple of quick announcements. The first is that, if you haven't heard already, Built Bar is back and better than ever. Built Bar, the only protein bar that tastes and feels like a candy bar, is back with a brand new version of their product, including six brand new flavors such as caramel brownie, cookies and cream, 
cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. These six flavors join their already loaded lineup of 12 and give you even more ways to enjoy the best protein bar on the market. Built Butters not only taste great, they're great for you and they're perfect for the health-conscious person. Whether you're looking to lose or maintain weight, Built Bars have you covered. With most flavors coming in at 200 calories or less, around 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 net carbs. You won't find another protein bar that looks and tastes as good as Built Bars and that you can enjoy guilt-free. Right now, you can head on over to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Don't delay, head on over to BuiltBar.com today. If you love comic books and video games, this next one is for you. We all love supporting a local independent business, especially when it comes to our personal hobbies and interests. I grew up reading tons of comics and playing plenty of video games, and I always love to see stories with a more local flavor. Your Story Transmedia is doing exactly that with a whole range of indie comic books, graphic novels, and video games, many of which are set in Winnipeg. They're currently launching a brand new lineup of comic books with their flagship comic, The River Knows, set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a supernatural sci-fi mystery that mixes Sin City, X-Files, and Mad Men in a really cool graphic novel. Your Story also has a couple of other sci-fi lines including Through Space and Time and stuff, UFO, Undercover, and Eon. There's something for everyone, and if you're into video games, they're also self-publishing a game called Alien Machine Glow in the near future, which features Old Man Gil, a grumpy old man who, with the help of a meteorite, manages to see aliens. You can find out more about Alien Machine Glow and all of Your Story's products at yourstory.ca, where you can find their ebooks or their limited edition, high-quality first printing run of their 85 by 11 magazine-style comics. Use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Again, that is one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. On our closing segment, I thought I'd give us a live look in at Colorado versus Dallas, which is currently about midway through the game in the second period. The Avs currently lead the Stars 1-0, and it looks like they're about to go on another power play. This has been a very different game from Game 1. I think that Dallas is definitely starting to feel Colorado's offensive pressure. You know, the Stars were very good in the first game. This one, they've had a lot more trouble dealing with Colorado's press, and, you know, the Avs look more like the Golden Knights do. Dallas is one of those teams that does have quite a bit of offensive talent, but I tend to think that it's not quite as deep as somebody like the Avs. I've said it in earlier episodes, but Dallas was going to be in trouble if the Avs started skating a little bit more actively and getting into those more dangerous offensive areas. Right now, we're kind of seeing that, and actually, they just scored on the power play again, second time this game. And McKinnon, who had the first goal of the game on a really nice one-timer, actually just sauced it over to Miko Rantanen for another one-timer, and the Avs are leading 2-0. This is kind of an interesting story, because I, th- I feel like Colorado at even strength has been pretty good, but their power play also starting to, to score and get going is going to be a serious issue if you're Dallas. The Stars are one of those teams that likes to play physical and has a very chippy style, which if if they're going to try and force things over a little bit, it's going to be an issue because they're going to take more penalties against this really testy Avs team. The guys are all scrubbing and fighting right now after Dallas managed to get a counter going the other way, but I think if you're Dallas, this is not the situation you want to be in. You don't want to be taking minors against a power play that has as much scoring talent as this Avs team does. I think that that's a serious mistake because Colorado has so many passing lanes and options to just piece you apart. I did kind of expect that Colorado would come out guns blazing in this game, but I think that even by you know Colorado standards, this is impressive because Dallas was playing really well even before this series. Now that they're going to have to deal with Colorado's press and speed a lot more, we might start to see a bit of a gap in, in between these two teams. You know, I think Dallas was a little bit fortunate in the first game, aside from them just playing well, 
But if those tips and deflections don't go their way, you know, what's going to be their response? They're about to get a power play right now, which you kind of expect because uh, Colorado had been getting the last few minors and Dallas hasn't had many power play opportunities in this game. So, you know, if they if they scratch one out before the end of this period, I think that they have a decent shot of trying to at least tie it. We've seen the, the Stars really come back in games, especially with the empty net, where it kind of looked like things were over and then they got a game-tying goal and wanted an overtime. I don't know that that situation is going to happen here because, you know, the Avs are certainly better than the Flames were, but it'd probably be a bit premature to count Dallas out, you know, before the, uh, the I guess, the eggs have hatched. We're going to get some more fun games tomorrow with Boston and Tampa Bay facing off first at 7 p.m. Eastern, followed by Vancouver versus Vegas at 9.45 p.m. Eastern. These games are at least a little bit earlier than some of the other ones, but, you know, still on the later side for my tastes. Both Tampa and Vancouver need big responses after some really embarrassing opening games, but you know whether or not they're going to be able to scratch one back, hard to say. These are tough opponents that they're facing in the second round, and I don't know if they'll be able to uh, really make a good comeback, especially if, if the Bruins kind of shut things down again and Vegas continues to apply the kind of forechecking pressure that we've seen from the Knights throughout this entire series. With that, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. I'll give you a recap of the rest of this Dallas-Colorado game, which has actually taken yet another turn, and you'll you'll hear more about it tomorrow as well as the summary, summation of uh, tomorrow's games. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Before you sign off for the evening, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Evan Pato. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!